Frank, before we start the podcast, I'm sure everybody who is listening needs to know Snowpocalypse 2019 update. How are you holding in there? Do they really need to know? I think we're about to just bore a bunch of people, but yeah, we got to talk about it because it's awesome out there. I got my uh, wish. I got snow, so I'm having a blast. Um, It's slushy. It's wet. It's cold, but it's snow. It's fun. Yeah, we're going out there. I went to the store. I'll go to the grocery store later today. It's it's not unbearable. I come from the Midwest. You come from the East Coast. It's not anything new, but I will say I did venture out on the roads. I was in Redmond went on Friday, last Friday. So this would be, it was a while ago by the time this podcast comes out, but it was the start of Snowpocalypse weekend. And I went in, I didn't want to go in, but I had a customer thing and I was worried about leaving. Everyone was freaking out. I'm in a tiny smart car. People are like, I don't know. And then I drove home and it was completely fine. But I had to kind of slide into my parking spot. And by slide, I mean, I had to go down a side road, which was now at this point, had maybe <laughs> half of inch of snow. And the smart yeah. car's tires are not very big. No. <laughs> so I start going down towards the circle. And I was like, I'm on a sl- not a very big hill, maybe 15 degree, you know, yeah. and at some point halfway down, I go, oh, I am. I'm no longer in control. I, uh, I'm, I, I'm the steering wheel. is not steering, <laughs> but I am turning the steering wheel and nothing is happening. And I am threading between cars on both sides of me, oh, geez, but yeah. I, w- I was going literally one mile an hour. I was going so slow to begin with that. It didn't matter too much. And then I sort of did this, like got to the end, stopped, was able to turn just enough. And I'm like, there's a parking spot and I'm in it and not moving for the next week. So I did survive. We're okay. Uh, it was great. So that is a good conclusion to the story. You're reminding me of a college time when our, our road was also uh, people parked on both sides, completely snowed in. And we just watched this crazy person just bounce from side to side of the road off of the parked cars, making their way down the road, just smashing into everyone. So it could have been much worse, James. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen to you. Yeah, this is what happens in Seattle. People do not understand. I was walking down the road and there was an 18 wheeler that was trying to load up a grocery store and it was for, you know, it was, um, you know, I don't even know what you call it, but it was in all sorts of directions. People were staring at it and there was a big, bigger truck trying to get it out from these tiny side roads in Seattle. It was (laughs) a hot mess, but we did cancel. We were going to go skiing this weekend. We canceled that and had brunch, which was delightful. And then we walked around the city and it was beautiful. It was slippery, but beautiful, but I did not fall. I have not fallen yet. That's the update <laughs> 2019. I've not fallen yet. Almost. Well, I've been using it as a good excuse to be a hermit and eat junk food. I'm like, well, I'm just going to pretend I'm snowed in and I have no contact with the outside world. <laughs> so I've been trying to do that, but I have driven once. It wasn't so bad, but that old homage where, um, Everyone else is a worse driver than you. You know how that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was like, I'm doing fine, but oh my God, everyone else out here scaring me. <laughs> so I, I was a little nervous about everyone else. Um, uh, yeah, I've just been walking around the neighborhood. We have uh, Gasworks Park with a little hill here, and it's pretty iced over at this point. So I spent a good probably 15 minutes trying to walk up that hill. <laughs> it was so slippery, but made it up, slid down on my butt. It was fun. The going down isn't too bad because if you fall, you kind of go down, but going up is the harder part is what I found so far. Yeah. But yeah. 
wear, wear some kind of micro spikes if you're going to go <laughs> play yeah. on the hill. Yeah. So we do have a topic this week. Now that is our snow. Four oh, minutes of snow apocalypse. We can't update. keep going. Okay. No, I, we could, but I don't know how many people would continue to right, listen. Right, right. So here's something that sort of happened to me this last week, because like you, I've also been herbiting, which means I can stream a little bit more. I've been updating a little bit, you know, some apps on the weekend, having a lot of fun, had, as I've been coding a little bit more, which means that I run into more issues with more topics, with more complaints, if you will. But this one's not a complaint. This one led me down a rabbit hole of kind of great design for an app. And I'll set it up for you. Wow. Where great design. Great. <laughs> great design. And, and what I mean by that is, is a few different things. So I was updating an app recently. This is on a live stream. I'll link it in the show notes. But I was updating an app, the conference application that I built for Evolve. I like to keep that up to date with the latest and greatest. And recently in Xamarin Forms world, uh, they, they added a new thing called a bindable layout. So previously oh. you're using like a, a, a list view and you'd have a list of items, but sometimes you don't need them to be in a list. You just have multiple in a row. So you could accomplish that by inserting a bunch of items, but that's not really great because you have like a list of items. So this bindable layout means like, here's a stack layout where I'm going to stack a bunch of things horizontally or vertically, but here's a list of them. And then here's your template for all of them. And this is what I was doing all over the Evolve Conference app, but I was abusing because I wanted this great design. So I was abusing the list view and I was putting list views inside of scroll views and then setting heights and for all yeah. these, like for the speakers and for the Twitter updates and things like that. So now I was like, I'm going to update this app. And it was working great. I was so, it was all, it was beautiful, Frank. Like it, it, it I made all these great changes and the app looked exactly the same it was <laughs> yeah. you know which was good which is good yeah and I was like, look what i did you know and i started optimizing i was re i was removing code removing hacks and that felt good uh but the problem i ran into is at least on android and and on ios too is you know when you tap on a a, a list view item you get like a little ripple or a little change in the background yeah. color don't they highlight where you touch do they do that by default they do that by default on list views. And that's because mm -hmm. at least on Android, there is this ripple effect that you can add and you can add it to any control. Like a button has one and a list view item right. has one by default. Now, the beautiful part of Android, of course, is that you can add this ripple effect to any control. And I was like, I want to get this beautiful design, this platform, beautiful mm -hmm. design. So, so when I tap on it, something happens. So the problem here, Frank, was that now the platform started to get in my way. Because I implemented this, it was very easy. You just add a few properties, little blah, blah, blah in your Android code. And I go, oh, add my ripple effect. And sure enough, there it was. But then my taps weren't working because previously it was a list view, which had a tap event. So I added a tap gesture recognizer. And what happened here is my tap gesture recognizer was consuming the tap event and not passing it through. So my beautiful ripple never occurred. And here's me for five or six hours, Frank, struggling uh, yeah. with this design. It didn't matter. It's not like it matters, right? It doesn't, this, it didn't matter, but it mattered to me. So it had me thinking about going down this rabbit hole of what does it mean to create beautiful sort of app design? Is it, you know, it's kind of this 
tweaking UI to perfection, tweaking to perfection, not twerking to perfection, but tweaking to perfection, Frank. And Okay, good, because I was getting worried we were just going to talk about list view for the whole episode. No, <laughs> I, and I think this, I, I started doing it today, Frank. I started doing it again. I was like, here's my my app. I was updating my GeoContacts app. And I was like, you know what I really want is I want bottom tabs. Like, all right, cool. I put that in. I was like, I kind of want that little drop shadow effect. So, okay, let me do custom this, custom. I put that in. I kind of want the tab bar. I'll do this little thing over here. I started putting more hacks then to get back to this, what I call like platform perfection, where I'm, I'm, I'm doing it to the platform, to the iOS or Android specs to perfection, right? And, and I try to get in there and I, and I spent just so much time and I'm recompiling and I'm tweaking and I'm stack overflowing and it, it <laughs> frustrated me. But to what gain? What gain is this getting me, Frank? Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, what gain? Is that where we're going to start? Um, I think so. I think, yeah. Uh, you said it when you were um, changing things around and you said, well, it didn't actually change the UI. I did all this work, but it didn't change anything. And that's one of those differences that makes no difference. Is it really a difference kind of things? Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, um, but refactoring falls under that category, you know, just code refactoring. It's things we do, maintenance stuff to make hopefully the addition of features easier or to keep up with the operating system. Or in your case, just what? Reduce code, would you say, mostly? Why would you? We should actually talk about this uh, thing. Um, what do you call it again? I, I like to think of it as the repeater control, but it's not a repeater control. It's kind of backwards of that. What is it called again? Uh, well, Bindable layout? It's called the is bindable it? layout, but it is sort of yeah. like a repeater control. It's saying, hey, I'm going to give yeah. you this c- control and then repeat it a bunch of times, but with this specific data inside of it. So maybe it's a list of people and the first person's Frank, the next person's James. So you just repeat that control, but with different um, data in the in the in the list. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I like it because the whole time I've been wanting kind of a repeater control and I would resort to doing like code behind basically and build up the UI there. You know, that's always my fallback. (laughs) I'm me. It's a very narrow, it it doesn't take much to push me into writing uh, UIs and code, (laughs) the littlest problem. Um, But to your bigger question, why go through all this effort? I think the answer is going to be different for everyone. Um, I guess the most proper answer is that it's good for the users. But I'm going to start somewhere else and say it's more of a personal pride thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I want to release good software. And if, that, and if my software is running on, say, Windows, then I want it to feel like a Windows app. I'm... I, I guess it's just me, but I've always hated those uh, early Java apps that ran everywhere but kind of looked terrible. And so, um, you know, since the beginning, I like my native UIs. <laughs> and so yeah. it's hard for me to answer the why question other than that's what I prefer and that's what I want to deliver to my users. And then uh, you're, you're speaking my tune when you say perfection because we can talk about this forever. In fact, um, I'm working on a new UI for iCircuit for Windows, specifically because I want to make it more Windows 10-y, you know, mm. better, more platform perfecty. Yeah, you know, I I understand the idea of the same UI everywhere, and I've messed around with some of the stuff that 
Xamarin Forms is doing with this new visual thing. And I really do like it because I'm an Android person. It's putting the Android UI everywhere. And I'm like, eh, I don't think that the default iOS UI is very pretty. It's not. Let's just be honest. 20, 2019, mm-hmm. it's it's not great. It's not the most pretty thing. And there's a lot of customization you have to do. You have to tweak your UI to perfection. And I'll tell you, a beautiful iOS app looks beautiful. I mean, the things that you can do with just UI kit is stunning, to be honest with you. I, I think it's a great layout hierarchy that Apple's put together. I, I've said it before, Apple's APIs and, and UI kit itself, I think is, is very, very elegant. But at the same time, I don't know if I want that everywhere. I've been messing around with Blazor a little bit more, uh, which mm-hmm. are like self-contained little apps. And I was like, I don't know if I, I think it's cool that I, I think what's nice is I can run an app that maybe looks the same everywhere, but is that my end all perfection? That, that seems more like I need to get a job done and here it is, you know? Right. And, um, I, I think we are actually talking about, um, good UIs, basically, uh, polish, uh, making a UI perfect. And I kind of hijacked the conversation by mentioning, uh, for me, a lot of times that being means being native. But mm. as you said, you can have an excellent cross-platform UI that renders identically on every device and disregards, you know, all platform things, so long as it's good, you know, yeah. that's all it is. You can do whatever you want. It just has to be good. <laughs> that's, um, that's the polish and that's the not looking like a 90s Java app. <laughs> and it gets down to that, like to the platform or to a completely fully customized. I hired a designer design in a way. And I have always thought, and we've probably talked about this before, is that if you read the different guidelines by Apple, Google and Microsoft, no matter what you're developing for, whether it's for phone or for desktop or something else, if you sort of follow a lot of those high level details of the design metaphors, your app can come out relatively good in general. I was running this um, this new Microsoft to do app. It's called to do apps. I think it's the whatever <laughs> they acquire, but I couldn't install it on my Android device because I needed it to be in tuned. But I installed the Windows 10 app and I was like, wow, this is a a really great Windows 10 desktop app. I'm pretty sure I, I can't quote because I haven't asked the team if it's just a native UWP app, but regardless, it feels really in tune to the rest of the user interface. I was like, wow, this is one of the first apps hmm. I, I've used. I swear it's like, this is one of the first UWP apps. If it is a UWP app, Windows 10 app that I was like, wow, this app actually like feels really good like has great animations it has really good design it feels like oh like it feels like it belongs on windows 10 compared to everything else that i'm running like i'm running slack and i'm running teams and i'm running discord i'm like these feel like super they're very pretty apps but they feel like not part of the system you know i love to agree with you when you say Apple has great APIs and great controls and great kind of default UI. But I've been playing with UWP lately. And um, on the Microsoft Store, there's a UWP control gallery app, something like that. And you can download it and play with it. And it's a control gallery. (laughs) And it's quite nice, though. They have excellent presentations of each control. They show varying a few properties on it. Honestly, it reminds me of um, 
all the web CSS frameworks out there and how they document themselves, how they have like nice inline examples with mm. text and, you know, they just, they know how to show off the product very well. Uh, and so I've been using that app as kind of just a study guide because honestly, I've fallen a bit behind in my Windows UI knowledge. Like, I don't know what the standards are anymore. It feels like sometimes there are no standards anymore. You know, some apps are ribbons, some apps are UWP with no menus, some apps are like weird hybrids. You still got the old Win32 apps. And so the world's a little kind of crazy over there. So I've been just trying to reabsorb the new UI culture there because I want my apps to be good and nice and, mm. you know, look like they're polished. And for that, it means I have to expand my knowledge. Keep up. Yeah, it's I've been doing this, you know, I, I wrote this blog post recently about why I you know, build apps with Xamarin, why I continue to build apps with Xamarin. And in that post, I'm like, wow, I've been doing this for seven years. I know you've been doing it for longer than that and to and to be honest what after ios 7 not a lot has changed in the world of ios and for android when material design was introduced with lollipop sure <laughs> not a lot has changed since that and i mean with windows 10 no. i mean there's been some updates to the, the ui with some you know transparency and different tools but you have to even reassess what that means to build an app with that toolkit uh, at that time. Like you're saying, just I need to re-familiarize myself. Even right now, I'm downloading this community toolkit sample app. I think that's the one that you had. But I'm like, oh, what does it look like? Because, you know, I've popped around a little bit in a few different apps, but I haven't spent a lot of time sitting down and reading a great, modern, beautiful design, you know, for apps. Like, I don't know what that looks like and i need to oh, i'm looking at this actually looks pretty yeah. good there's like a lot of nice animations yeah, hovering <laughs> so um for me i've uh i do what i always do and i just steal <laughs> <So> <laughs> in the old days i think um office used to be kind of our model windows app it's um you know you would get all your ui cues from it and you would design your apps to be basically kind of officey looking whatever that meant for that year. <laughs> um, but I want I wanted my app to be a little more tablety um, UWP feeling than that, be, especially because I'm writing it in UWP. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't want to like make a fake Win32 app in UWP. That felt like missing an opportunity. Uh, but the best app I could find on Windows without going through the um, Microsoft Store. I'd, I would love to hear anyone who has uh, recommendations for what you would consider like perfect UWP apps, but um, Paint 3D by Microsoft. Um, I think it, it fits the mold of what a lot of my apps are, document-based apps with a main editor area, with property selectors, libraries, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And honestly, it looks nothing like Office. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's Microsoft approved at some level. So someone said that that UI is decent. That's <laughs> true. Passed a few uh, user interface studies and that kind of thing. So I'm basically just cribbing off of that app because they had some nice ideas. Well, I think what I've used to say back in the day is I would sit down with each with each um, operating system, iOS, Android, and Windows at the time, and I would look at all the default applications and browse through them, take notes, what's good, what's bad, how do I jam that code and just steal their design. And even when I was building the Evolve Conference app, 
I took the WWDC application, which was not the most beautiful app at the time, by the way, but it was Apple approved. <laughs> I was like, this is a Apple approved conference app. How do I get inspired by what they're doing? And our designers took that. And then we said, okay, what does a Google one look like for Google IO? Let's, let's look a little bit at this and, and take some of those best, best worlds across. And I think it did come out pretty well, um, uh, in general, but I want to kind of know how we get there. Like what's our recommendation and like, when is tweaking too far and what you've done on the Windows side? I know that you've <laughs> recently gone through modernizing an app. So I want to talk about that, Frank. But let's take a quick break and thank our sponsor this week, our good friends over at Raygun. Yeah, you know Raygun, Frank. I do, but I can't wait for you to tell me more. <laughs> yes, well, Raygun, they're all about helping you build the best apps possible. They enable you to easily capture bug reports and monitor performance issues before your customers start reporting it to you. They have a great cross-platform SDK for web and mobile applications that really help diagnose your problems in minutes rather than hours. So you drop in their SDK and immediately your data of performance and bug crashes will start pouring into the Raygun portal. What's great is that you can dig through all these underlying uh, log files, You'll be able to diagnose these issues inside your application. You can even link it to things like your source code so you can see the lines of code that are causing issues inside of your application. By, by, by none, it is the best error, crash, and performing, performance monitoring tools on the market, whether you're building a .NET application, a web application. The cool part is like Raygun, they use Raygun on raygun.com to build Raygun better, right? So they're able <laughs> to get this back. So what this means is that every software team out there can create flawless software experiences, just like Raygun does with Raygun. What's cool is that you can try Raygun for free by going to raygun.com slash merge conflict. And when you sign up for Raygun, once you get some of those crash reports coming in, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Tell them that Frank and James sent you over. Uh, they love hearing our listeners of merge conflict. So go head over to raygun.com slash merge conflict to learn more about all the awesome things that Raygun offers. And thanks to Raygun for sponsoring this week's pod. Awesome. That was a fun episode, the bug uh, crashing episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With JD, yeah. I always, I always love hearing from the experts, always on software. Yeah. I, every time I look at their, their site, too, it's always super pretty. I was like, how do I make a pretty site like this? And then I can be like, oh, look at this. I can just do this and that thing. Server side. You have to side. pay designers. That's what you have to do. <laughs> so so you're, you told me that you're modernizing a app for Windows. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, truth be told, though, I'm being a little bit forced into it. <laughs> um, uh, I wrote iCircuit as a WinRT app. Remember those? Windows 8, good times. I do, yeah. Did you yeah. ever write a, did you write a WinRT app? I did. Absolutely. I did. Mm -hmm. I, well, I wrote, I wrote a Windows 8 app, a Windows 8 1 app, mm -hmm. a Windows 10 app, all, mm -hmm. and then upgraded them over time. Yeah. Okay. Well, you did better than me because I hadn't yet upgraded mine to UWP <laughs> and um, Visual Studio, turns out, stopped opening my project. Now, <laughs> I could have gotten an old version of Visual Studio, but I decided this is a sign I need to update this stupid project. And unfortunately, uh, most of the code ported over, but um, there are some performance problems, so I'm swapping out some things here and there. But um, 
they removed a lot of default UI that used to exist in WinRT. And honestly, they made some of the new default UI kind of ugly. <laughs> I yeah. think almost like intentionally ugly. Like I w- I've never seen any other app look like this and that. So strong hints <laughs> that uh, you need to update your app here. <laughs> it's go time. So, basically, they're like, hey, it is, yeah. it is time. In fact, I remember running a Windows 8 app that, that I had on Windows 10. I was like, oh, this this doesn't feel right. <laughs> it, it didn't feel yeah. right at all anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've just taken it as a challenge, and it, it really is time to update it. Um, Windows 10 can look really good if apps are designed for it. So I decided, uh, put the effort in, and let's do this. Uh, so for the first part for me, like I said, uh, that meant um, going native and <laughs> finding things like that. But uh, there's lots more to the polish. Um, You know, what custom controls do I put in? Um, My program has a full C editor built into it, a syntax Mm. highlighting C editor, because I support Arduinos. But that C editor was a lot of work to do on iOS and Mac, where I'm very familiar with how the tech system works. I have no idea how the tech system works on UWP. And so it's a real question of, am I going to go through the effort to give a syntax coloring high, high, uh, text editor there? Or, you know, like you say, like, gosh, is it perfection or, you know, is a text editor good enough to start <laughs> with? Because even on Mac and iOS, it started without uh, syntax coloring. Yeah. You know, but it's these annoying decisions you have to make. And I feel like you were kind of in the same place with your um, clicking and your ripple animation. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where it's like people could live with this and no one is going to complain most likely about this. It's a nicety thing, but it's that pride thing. And I think that's maybe some of mine and your problems is that (laughs) in general, I know that you could not live with that because you're going to end up using this and you could, you couldn't (laughs) live with that. Now I will tell you this much. I was playing around with uh, this kind of standalone little desktop app that I made. uh, And, and, and we had like a XAML thing on the left and there was no highlighting, yeah. no anything. I was like, oh, I can't live with this. But it was throw away because we weren't going to ship it. <laughs> and then I saw Matthew right. Leibowitz uh, ship this Skia Sharp Fiddler thing. And he built in like Roslyn and like the VS Code code Heck editor. Yeah. And I was like, this is beautiful. Like, just do that. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look at that. I wonder if they did a UWP version. <laughs> There's actually a few um, text, uh, rich text editors out there. UWP has a rich text editor built in. It's just when you're doing a code editor, mm. um, these are usually designed more for like email apps. <laughs> you know, so when you're doing a code editor, it's always hit or miss whether it works well. But I do know there are some custom controls out there. And we have uh, custom control sponsors all the time. And I feel like that that's a great place where you can you know, add this polish to your app is just download some darned controls and don't write them yourself. Yeah. Although I will tell you this much, what I'm seeing over here, because I have this community toolkit app for, for Windows 10, they have a XAML view, the one. which has, mm-hmm. when you tap on a control, you can go to XAML and it's all syntactically highlighted. So whatever this open source project is, go steal that code because it's totally <laughs> oh, as, in there. Is it an editor? Is it read and write it is an editor it's a full editor Ooh, i am stealing that thank you james (laughs) so productive we were in this episode i know we were super productive so okay so besides that the rest of the design 
are you going in and are you paying someone for this design? Or are you just going to go like you always do and just do your own thing? Uh, I'll just do my own thing. Um, I do need to buy a new icon pack, though. This mm. is one place where I definitely show out some money because I'm not drawing a million icons. And uh, turns out, uh, do you remember WinRT used to use typography for everything? So you used like text for oh, yeah. all your icons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, don't do that anymore. Now we use icons. Yeah, back to icons. (laughs) Yeah, so I got to get myself a bunch of icons. Um, That kind of stuff is easy. You can use um, Fiverr.com to get, you know, custom-made stuff, too. That's pretty easy. But no, you know, up to my old shenanigans, James, of course. So has there been... Up to your old shenanigans. Well, yeah, you outsource when you can that's when that's what i say honestly because i don't build my own icons when it's easy yeah Yeah. i mean that that's just obvious stuff to outsource yeah Yeah. who who wants to draw an icon sometimes i'll draw an icon but i hate it every time i do it um so on the um on the other side i did notice one awesome feature of uwp which i always thought was kind of lacking in the xaml environment and that is they have implicit animations now mm. and this is very nice because on ios i can just set the width to something and say oh and animate that too wow i do that yeah <laughs> you know, it's, it's super easy it's like one line of code um and now it's three lines of XAML on any property that you want to implicitly animate, but it's there. It's much easier. So I think I've say this all the time on the show, but um, I always want to add more animation to my apps. So I'm hoping I can make the UI feel lively with that stuff. That happens to be one area where I am terrible at, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> we all are chains. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think I am. I think I'm terrible because when it comes to the this built-in design, I keep talking about this versus designer design versus like platform design, but then there's other things that you can't just get in a design. So because someone is going to give you a design and they're like, here it is. Mm-hmm. And unless they're animating that design, unless it's something that that it's those are static images. And it isn't until you use the app when it becomes so important. So even just like a slight drop down, a slight um, fade of the background, a slight, you know, you hover over something, you tap on something, that ripple effect. That's why I was so like into this ripple effect. I'm like, it's a built in animation that I can get, you know, and I don't think you need to animate everything. You can definitely go completely crazy over the board, but it's subtle animations. It's things that make sense. And as I start to play with more applications, I start to, to see, what are they doing inside of here that really um, is something that makes this part of the application stick up and it's sort of delighting. So a good example of this is this to-do application that I keep talking about. And I'm like, oh, I want you to just steal this immediately. Is it's a it's a checkbox, it's a checkbox app, but it's a to-do app. And we all know every to-do <laughs> app has little checkboxes that are grayed out. And when you finish something, you tap on it, it's like, cool, you finished it. There are, yeah, yeah, you did it. Now there's two things that this app did because it's not only a great little animation, but also it does something a little bit else. So as you would expect, when you tap that you finish something, it goes ahead and it, and it checks the checkbox. The difference here is that it actually does a slow, slight animation and sort of just doesn't check it automatically, but sort of, 
animate like pops in. It's kind of like pop up. Yeah, like, it kind of did it. Like something cool, did it. You're like oh, it's it's very pleasing. Um, I've Disney. seen it. I've it's, seen like also how Disney would have made a checkbox. It is exactly how Disney would have made a checkbox. Correct. It's it's sort of that thing where I've seen the the check mark inside do some different things and things like that. But what really is the kicker here, Frank, is that when you check it, it checks and it goes bing like a little ding. Like, like, and it's very, you it's scored, a, you scored, like, yeah, you scored a little bit, like two points, like, ding, you know, it, it's a very nice, so it's, it's this slight animation now accompanied by this ever so slight sound. That's not annoying because you're in the, you're in the action. It's not like it's just randomly making noises. It's just, it's a nice, subtle combination of a pleasant platform UI with a subtle animation with a subtle sound. And I was like, wow, all of these things are coming together right now. They're making me very happy. Oh, James, I miss sounds. Er Early on in the iOS days, we put sounds on everything. Every button had a sound. Every action on the screen had a sound. It was glory days. And then we realized everyone was muting the sounds, so we stopped doing it. (laughs) But I think um, uh, what you're talking about, I think of it as um, I just want the UI to feel alive. Um, you know, instead of just, you know, flickering from uh, unchecked to, to the check state, it does that animation. It feels alive. It has to mutate. It has to change over time. It's bound by physical law. Um, but it also makes me think of the uh, Twitter like button, the heart. Mm. Um, that has a very complex animation, but it's like a half second or a third of a second. It's fast. But that animation had to take someone forever to create because it's very intricate. It reads well. It's kind of happy. It's all along those lines. Boy, I wish I put that attention to detail in my apps. That that would be wonderful. I did. I, and you know, what's funny about that is I, I totally stole some of, uh, some of that Twitter stuff. I remember when I was doing the evolve conference app, I'm sorry. I was literally just in this app because it made me remind me of it. (laughs) Yeah. When, When you had this app, I remember Twitter was rolling this out and the Twitter, both Instagram does this and also Twitter does it. Instagram does a few different things, but Twitter does this really nice little plop plop and then little things come off of it. I wasn't going to do the little particles, but that's pretty nice. But I really (laughs) wanted to make it feel alive. So just like the checkbox, I remember you could favorite a session and I did the slightest animation where all I did was you change the scale, like you scale out, you scale in, it's like plop plop. And just scale up a little bit, mm-hmm. scale back down. So to 110% to 100%. And just with that tiny little animation, it completely changed like how I was using the app. So like, oh, this is a this is a nice little beautiful animation. I was very uh, pleased. You're That's awesome. I love it. I love it. anything with animation. I love But you just reminded me of this cool animation hack that I um, learned from Jeremy Laval. Mm-hmm. Le- I never know how to say his Le name, ball. right? I believe so. <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did a nice animation talk once, and he explained this little trick that Disney uses. And a lot of us, when we do animations, especially the implicit animations, it um, goes from one size to the other. That's the animation from small to big, from big to small. Uh, the Disney way, though, is to create anticipation for the animation. So if you're going to go small, you actually go big at first and then go small. It makes it feel more rubber bandy. Mm. It gives your eyes something to focus on before the actual animation takes place. And this effect turns out to be very easy to do. 
um, pretty much every animation library. I'm most comfortable on iOS, obviously, but um, you can uh, control the animation curve. And uh, most people think the animation curve should go from zero to one, you know, from beginning to end. But you can have it go from zero to negative one to 1.1 back down to one. And that actually creates a much more fun and uh, just interesting animation. And it's so easy to do. It's just a good little hack. I would say, though, we're talking about all of these things that you can do to your app. I think the important thing is not to get hung up on these details in the beginning uh, and get the app <laughs> done. Because if I was so into just these little things, I would never get the main application done. Because at some point you have to ship and you can always add on tweaks and tunes and all these little things. But at some point you need to get the thing out there and tested because the biggest part ends up becoming not just these small animations and these UI perfection. It becomes the entire UI, UX, navigation, how pages even flow when you tap on this to go to this page and where the user is expecting to tap on things. So while we do talk about a lot of these, you know, little tweaks and tunes and spending a lot of time, they, they are like really delighters. But if your app isn't functional, then that becomes a bigger problem <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and that line is hard to draw sometimes, though. Like, does my syntax color, is that required functionality or not? It's really hard to decide. Or is that just a UI nicety? It's honestly debatable because it does present information. Yeah. Um, but I've also uh, heard this uh, general idea of um, um, focusing too much on the uh, tree and missing the forest or however you want to phrase that i've heard it referred to as uh, nerd sniping um it happens in video games a lot where you just start working on the engine and ooh, look at this nice implicit animation system i have so now every button can be disney animated i just have to add this one effect to it and disney animations all around um yeah you should definitely work on the navigation of your UI first, getting the data presented, all that stuff. So unfortunately, polish does happen towards the end. But you know, some days I also use polish as um, if I'm maybe tired of the app or overwhelmed by it or something. Some days I'll just polish a part of it mm. and just geek out and just have fun. And it's just a way for me to, even if it's not fully productive, it just makes you feel good. At least you worked on the app and improved it in some way, even if it was just adding sparkles to something. Sometimes you just got to make sparkles, make it make it your own. Just go for it. Yeah, it's good. I, I, I enjoy talking to you about design because I think we come from a little bit different worlds. I think you're really into the iOS world and the animation world, which is something I'm always very envious of because your applications are able to transform a little bit more compared to I'm more of the buy the Android book and what's the material design <laughs> say and what's my drop shadow is it 8 DP or is that 10 DP you know and just <laughs> you know different spacing yeah. so it's fun to sort of talk through these different scenarios that every single developer seems to get themselves into you know I was I was watching even Heather she was putting together this leaderboard and she's putting together the profile photo. And she's like, well, do I want a circle image or do I want rounded corners? She's like, no, I want a hexagon. And she spent like a whole day getting like this hexagon shape and the CSS and this and all this stuff in there. And, and it ended up being circles at the end of the day that they went with. Oh no. But uh, she was like, I want it to be perfect. And I just, it was the same thing that I think we all go to because we have this vision on our mind. We're like, well, if we could just do this one thing, 
and I'm going to spend all day on it, you know? Uh, so I think it's, it's fun to kind of talk through these different design scenarios that we get ourselves into because we can crush the code, but sometimes not the UI. Yeah. And sometimes overconfidence bears. I'm like, it's 2019. I've been programming for a million years. I can write this control in an afternoon. Flash to one week later, control's not done. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I would be super interested to hear from any of our listeners if they have found themselves into the rabbit hole, digging themselves into some custom animation, some custom control or some custom UI that they just couldn't get themselves or they, they did do it. And I want to see it. Send us some. Some, yeah, success too, please. <laughs> send us some success photos. Of course, you can hit us up uh, over on uh, mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact button. If you want to, though, join our Discord because we're in there. We're chatting. You can just add images in there. You can, you can be like, hey, I listen to this podcast. Boom, there it is. Give us a go. Uh, and that's mergeconflict.fm slash Discord, and you'll join our Discord. People don't know what Discord is. It's just like a Slack or a, or a Teams, but it's open server-based, so it's really easy to get into. There's great mobile apps. Uh, it's really fun. A lot of people have been joining in there, and it's open to everyone, which is super great. Uh, of course, just hit us up on Twitter if you don't want to join the chat room, uh, MergeConflict.fm. Hit us up over there. Show, show us what you've been working on, what you've been making beautiful, so we can steal your designs. I think that's what we're going with. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. I won't do it. I probably. won't do it either, I promise. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Maybe. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask, probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, I think this has been fun. Uh, I'm going to add those links in the show notes. I'm going to try to find Jeremy's uh, session from Evolve, because I know exactly the one that you're talking about and anything else that I can think of to throw into the show notes below. Thanks for everyone for listening to this week's Merge Conflict. Thanks for Raygun for sponsoring the pod. And of course, please uh, share this with a friend. Uh, if you like our podcast, I'm sure they will love it as well. And if you are using Apple Podcasts, we would love a review. It helps us so much in the rankings. So that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. Until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.